Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. So Carlos, you were saying in the uh, pre-pod meeting that you really don't understand Lions fans, but you want to. And I think that's a really good first step. And um, I'm just kind of curious to what you've learned on this journey of uh, enlightenment and do fandom after, you know, 50 years living here. I've learned that Sean Windsor must, by the way, calling this a meeting is the uh, the loosest term possible for this is that we can call this a, a pre-podcast meeting but uh most of you and i just you know insulting each other um i learned i have to listen to sean windsor to tell me what i really should think and believe and and he can really explain to me who the real fans are um you know i i don't understand that um it's hard for me to to reach that intellectual level sean to to understand the people you connect with people i understand that more um so you can explain it to me who are the real lions fans um i thought it was your boys who nearly came to tears after they lost an early season game in minnesota but apparently they're not real fans i think in your, no, in your estimation. no they're real fans they just represent i think a fairly average lions fan and um and and that's the difference no i don't connect more with people than you do i think i think um just a matter of observation maybe and uh yeah look let, let's right, let's, right, well, okay, let's talk about let's talk about the difference let's get into not philosophy here we can get into semantics if you whatever you want to call it let's talk about the difference between cynicism and skepticism in in uh in our business but also just in life right so when you're when you're cynical um, it's, it's kind of cynical, by the way. The great Greeks it, were cynical. They were cynics. No, they, they brought a lot to society by looking at things in a critical, no, uh, but that, no, they, way. They, they were cynical. Bad to be a cynic. Well, yeah, because what cynical does is put basically lead cloth over your eyes. You can't see anything. And um, but skeptical is uh, is I think what our business is built around, or at least has been for. Uh, uh, I'm gonna guess who the cynic is in this conversation. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Skepticism, you know, to question things and to not just wholeheartedly jump into something without at least some kind of evidence is um is is healthy and it's good. But cynicism means you bring your own preconceived notions to something and you judge something before you fully understand it. It, it to me that's the difference. That that maybe is not a the most elegant way to put it, but uh that's a made-up definition by Sean Windsor, but I but like I it. But I think I think serves your cause. No, it's not. It's not my cause. It's just you know, I, I'm curious. Were you always cynical, or were you skeptical when you were younger? And the older you've got, like the chip on your shoulders just sort of settled in. What? Where did it go from skepticism to cynicism? Because surely you watched it the other way. Probably I've always C been cynical. cynical. Cynicism, by the way, defined an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest. Yeah. It's also related to skepticism, by the way. School of ancient no, Greek they're close. The cynics. Yeah, they're close. They're yeah. close, but there's a difference. I think. I think when you cover, you know, one of the things, um, you know, it depends on on, you know, what your upbringing is, right? And growing up in L.A., um, very different town. Um, not a lot of boosterism. Not a lot of homerism in the sports community. There, uh, it's a very itinerant um fan base even though there are definitely the strongholds the dodgers you know the lakers um so but people weren't you know they were they were very uh they tended to be more objective um about their teams and their fanaticism and some of that 
could lead to you know you was it, people were more skeptical about about um you know their teams when they weren't performing well and and this is team these are teams like the Lakers and Dodgers who won a lot and yet people were still very open to be you know your your guy your sport right basketball and NBA Chick Hearn the play by play guy for the Lakers forever he was really hard on the team you know I mean he used to be a, an executive and for the team and then he went into play by play and became a hall of famer and he was really tough on them you know the Kings had Bob Miller and and even the the Dodgers had Ben Scully who you know, didn't sugarcoat things. It's it's a different world now. Um, everywhere, even even in LA, this you know because of the, the regional contracts with broadcast corporations and the the announcers are you know basically mouthpieces for the teams. It wasn't that way when I was growing up. But also reading the papers, you know, guys like Jim Murray and Mike Downey at the LA Times and Mark Wicker and the Orange County Register. I mean, they were they were unsparing when teams needed to be criticized. Um, so I've never thought that you should really uh, pull punches or or cast the team in the best light. Um, you know that doesn't mean you don't give people a, a you try to you don't give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes or try to understand their perspective, players, coaches, executives, whatever. Um, but you know, I mean, it's if a team's not performing well, you know, there's it's to, to just be looking on the bright side of all the time really does serves no purpose well no and it doesn't serve a purpose to do it the other way either what's interesting to me is uh and we don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much because we want to get into the lions here in the playoffs and i think lions fans uh, i think you agree with this uh are watching the playoffs maybe a little bit differently this year because they get kind of close and you're sort of imagining wow how would they stack up and wh where would they be short and you know what's the next step and all that sort of thing and, and that's what we want to spend the bulk of this podcast talking about but but the market you took you, you're talking about jim murray and and, and and mike downey of course mike downey came from detroit and I'm, he may have been in chicago for a second too I, I i'm trying to remember but um but most markets had voices like that that were critical i remember wherever i lived there was always a columnist or two back in those days there were even sometimes more right because there were more than one paper in a town but uh listen to me using the word the uh, sorry man just i've been watching this uh these british shows lately and they substitute were for was all the time it were <laughs> it were a great idea you, you know what i mean oh i were it were, it were it were a nice pub and it's interesting especially in northern england because one of the shows where it's based and you just hear the the singular for the the plural for the singular subbed all the time and um just don't don't start using a cockney accent just no the the, the the one thing that the, the, you know their their slang is obviously very different and a lot of their expressions the idiom all that but one thing that i do love no pun intended here is the way they say love often to family even friends at the end of their sentences you know hey how you doing love or what do you think of that love you know i that's nice actually it's uh because but it helps make up for how much they cuss right and uh oh, and just, and just, delicious yeah. and just how sharp the words are in general <laughs> and how blunt they are with each other so i've i've thought oh i wonder if the the love kind of helps soften all those other sharp edges in the way they speak to each other but anyway sorry to, sorry to get off on that tangent but a lot of a lot of markets used to have columnists that and they still do it's fun i mean there there's still some columnists out there that are it's just the the role has changed and the job has changed and we were i was talking about this with a former colleague of ours recently about how much more analytical 
uh, how, uh, analysis readers want and how the market's changed. And um, to just kind of come in these days and weigh in on something without having at least a pretty decent knowledge of the team or the players, the management, whatever, is tricky. And readers are more sophisticated. Fans are more sophisticated. And they're... Um, and they expect more, and it's just it's it's interesting, and how you kind of have to adapt to that to some degree. I'm curious. So uh, uh, you and I have I talked mean, a lot about this, actually. I think columnists always knew about the teams. I mean, I don't think you get to that level of of uh, the profession without you should know something about the teams you cover, and you know, I, I you know the thing with the thing that is nice right now in the business is if you're a sports fan, it, it is kind of a golden age where you can get what you want. It's like a buffet, you know, if you want more in-depth analysis stuff, there's a place to go for that. If you want breaking news, turn by turn things, you know, you go to social media, you follow certain people, you know, if you want a uh, greater context and, you know, some opinion, some analysis or whatever, you know, you can, you can find that too. Um, you know, the, the way I've always looked at it, you know, from from a columnist perspective and what I wanted from my columnists when I read them was, you know, cut cut through all the stats, cut through the talk. Tell me as usually a columnist is a veteran writer. They've been around long enough and they can synthesize something with a, a greater perspective. What does this really, what do, what does this mean? What, what What's happening right now? Don't just give me the quote. Don't just tell me what the coach said and what this guy said and what the stat says and whatever. Tell me, tell me what you think this means in your opinion. You know, I may not agree with you in everything, but it, what is your opinion about this? And especially um, give me, you know, um, don't be afraid to tell me the truth about whether it's, you know, whether it's complimentary, it's fine. Whether you're harsh, that's okay too. Um, but I, I want that. And, and I also want to tell me, you know, you have access to these teams, players, locker rooms, whatever. Take me inside. Give me a look. Give me some some context of how people are saying things, what they're feeling, what they look like, what they're how they're presenting themselves. You know, give me a, a, a rounded, you know, uh, view of a situation or an issue or a player, whatever it might be. Um, I want your take, you know, and if I respect you as a columnist, uh, I'm going to read you, you know, if you're interesting, if you're, if you're mean, if you're funny, if you're, you know, whatever, uh, I'm going to read you. So, um, but if it's very surface level, I'm not really giving you a lot. I'm just giving you quotes. I'm just kind of regurgitating what, happened or what i saw essentially what we call game stories in the business um i don't really care i'm not going to stick with you but give take me inside give me some some what you're thinking what what this means to you and your perspective you know it's interesting um uh i mentioned our former colleague uh, i'll just go ahead and say it mike rosenberg i don't think he he would mind who you both and i you and i both know um uh, pretty well, uh, who works for Sports Illustrated. Now, we're just talking about the change in nature of the business, and he was telling me about a, I don't want to give anything away here, but just, a, you know, a piece he's worked on with, you know, within the last year or so, and he was interviewing a, an athlete. And one of that, uh, one of the, uh, how can I phrase this without even giving anything away at all? 
somebody that worked for the organization that worked for the athlete, you know, in the media relations business was sort of nearby during one of these interviews and expressed that they didn't know a lot of what they were hearing come out of this athlete's mouth, um, just about who they were and their, and their life and all this. And, and so Mike and I were kind of talking about how, how that's changed to some degree. The economy is partly a reason for this, right? It's the, not the economy, the economics of the, of journalism and sports journalism, and because that kind of stuff takes time a lot, but just getting to know the people that, you um cover but also from a fan's perspective a reader's perspective getting to know the the athletes that you enjoy watching and um and that really has changed a lot in the last the last 10 years you know and i was explaining to him for us at the free press to kind of keep it local here for our listeners um we used to have two two people on in our staff that did just those kind of stories we had two of them which was which was great um relative to the rest of the business. But, um, but in any case, what I was talking to Mike about, and, and you and I, I think maybe have talked a little bit this about is that these days it's harder to, to get in and do those stories unless the teams are, are interesting in some way, either good or interesting in some other way and compelling in some way, because, you know, like I, if you, if you were to go do a big deep dive, as we might say in the business on, uh, I don't know, uh, Isaiah Stewart, the center for the for the Pistons, right? What kind of readership? How much interest is there going to be if if they're in the Eastern Conference Finals five years from now? I know, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but let's just imagine they were. Then you'd be a lot more inclined to want to know, you know, the 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 life story of a, probably a lot of the people up and down the roster. And it's just kind of it's 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 really changed, and it's it's interesting to think about how we don't know. Um, as much about these players. And then to your point, Carl, you and I've talked about this before the idea that a lot of the organizations, whether it's college or pro or whatever, they don't, they don't want to know. I mean, they, 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 it's not that they don't want us to know, but they, the access has changed, right? There are not as many, you're talking about all these conversations and getting in the locker rooms that those conversations aren't as free flowing as they used to be. And that's really changed how we write and cover. And that's not a criticism at all. It's just different. It's just, you know, then when you and I both got in the business, certainly it's different than it was 10 years ago. I think that one thing that's really changed has been social media and that, I, at, you know, before social media existed, uh, the athletes thought, and it was true that if they wanted to get any kind of uh, notoriety or whatever publicity, they had to talk to reporters, you know, they, they were aware of it. Um, and they could also hide from, you know, a lot of publicity by not being available, you know, hiding in the bathrooms or not being in the locker room during media access. But with social media now, I think they feel like they can promote their own brands, you know, on Instagram and Twitter and, you know, taking, posting pictures of themselves and their puppies and whatever, you know, and they're, they, they can, they can control the narrative more. They can. Um, it's all fluff, of course. Um, but yeah, they're also not going to, you know, I guarantee you, whatever Mike's writing about, it's all going to be positive. It's all going to be this amazing, great story. He'll write it great, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's the thing is that players, you know, um, I don't I don't know if they see much value in having their life story told. Um, you know, I've tried to in the last couple of years, there's been a couple of times where I've tried to 
make inroads in telling the story of the player of a, st- a story of a player who's very successful, very well liked, but has had some demons he's had to battle, some problems, some real life problems that really connect with a lot of people in our society, and the team won't let it happen because they are worried about it. They're worried about how this is going to come out, how whatever. And that's part of it too. Like you said, Sean, I mean, I mean, there's so many more things in our society now, so many more, I mean, back in the day, you know, there were a lot of things that could fly. And after our society has changed for the better, it's become a lot more sensitive about issues with racism, with, with uh, misogyny, with uh, whatever it is, you know, um, mental health, homophobia, yeah homophobia you name it you know and it's good and there the teams are really worried like this person you know who said i didn't know that that probably scared the hell out of them like what is going to come out of this person's mouth and i guarantee you that conversation with with rosenberg was how are you going to write this are you gonna are you gonna put that in there i'm sure they're they're no no it it wasn't that it wasn't based on that it was just interesting facts about this person's life i mean Obviously, there's always been a battle to me a little bit about, uh, I mean, I can remember when I used to do this 20 years ago about whether you're going to put certain stuff in. And I this was always more of a question of, it was more of a struggle for me before I was in sports when I used to do this just about regular people. And they didn't necessarily, they weren't public figures, right? You know, and sometimes I can remember people telling you stuff and they didn't understand how that was going to look. And I would, I would actually tell, you know, because... I, I felt a moral obligation, right? I mean, this is just some regular person, and they're explaining something to you, or t- talking about something, or being open about something. And I and I would always say, okay, I want you to understand what this is going to do, and what this right. is going to, you know, which which sounds counterintuitive because, oh wow, that's really interesting. You got some great details as a, as a journalist, and that's fine if it's a public figure, right? But in, in any case, um. I think uh, to your point about the social media is a good one. I also think the other part of all this before we wrap, we, we should probably get into the lines here is the, is the money involved and the level of money. And uh, so there's a, there are a lot more people worried and, um, and protective of that money. And, uh, and I, there's a lot more money at stake in general. And so that's changed things too, right? People, pe- because people th- feel like they can literally lose money by saying the wrong thing. Right. I mean, and, and that's, and that's kind of where we're at. There's, there's a part of our culture that that's actually a real thing. Well, every player now has their agent. They have their PR manager. They have their, whatever their trainer there. There's a lot of mouths to feed. These guys make a lot of money, but there's a lot of mouths to feed. So there's a lot of people I'm sure telling them, you're only you're probably only going to get in trouble if you divulge too much about your life and you don't know how there's people going to burn you and and you know just or sponsors, you can't trust right? anybody sponsors yeah absolutely. i mean that's the main thing i mean right it's it's sponsors right, right. absolutely more yeah. money money always makes people quieter about things for sure oh yeah no i mean it really i mean as a society we don't even we don't even like to tell each other how much we make Right. I mean, we're funny about that, you know. Yeah. As yeah, Americans, right. we, are, we really are. We don't even, <laughs> we're uncomfortable with it. And, um, and, um, it's, it, which is interesting because we all, we all know what pro athletes make. That's all very public, even though it's not, there's no law that says it needs to be. There's just an assumption. And I wonder if that'll ever change. 
you know if, no, if it'll be, if, no because agents want it out there they want to they're the ones who leak all the contract details because they want people to know how much their athletes are making and also it's also sometimes especially in the nfl it's skewed right because it's not guaranteed it's all like what the potential maximum of this contract can be that's why for a long time people just would include the signing bonus because that's guaranteed money for sure um but distinguishing you know if you ever watch, listen to the the people who break all the news in the nfl you know who they are uh you know they're always they're always promoting the maximum contracts because it's the agents <laughs> we're feeding on that. Well, think of, think about how that relationship would change with fans and players, athletes rather, if they didn't know what they were making. I mean, that would that would change things. That would change the perception in a lot of ways. And it's interesting. We I I, I don't know if that if it started out that way. I'm not a, enough of a historian in, in terms of um, American sports and, and money, but. You know, think of but think about other forms of entertainment um acting for example you don't see salaries <laughs> you don't see salaries yeah. attached to actors attached to movies or tv series in the way that you used to i mean we watch a lot of the stuff that we watch these days a lot of it's uh, television because television has become so great and we have no idea what they're making anymore you kind of assume they're making a good living a good living right but it's sure. not used to know what the movie stars made all the time they, that and I, you know, you still it's occasionally different. It's different. you still occasionally see it now, but isn't that interesting? <laughs> we used to know all that business, and we it, it's just changed. And I don't know that people care one way or the other. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was uh, once upon a time. I mean, when it when I don't know when, but probably in the early '80s when people started making a lot more money for movies, you know, and ten million dollars for this picture or whatever it was, you know. Then oh my lord! But the thing is that the athlete you know, salaries dwarfed all that. And that's probably maybe has maybe has something to do with it. When you're hearing about, you know, soccer players and race car drivers making hundreds of millions of dollars plus endorsements on top of that, you know, and every like, well, whatever, Bruce Willis got 10, 15 million for this picture, you know, whatever. And plus, are you going to walk out of, are you going to be mad because you watched Die Hard 10 and it wasn't up to your standards, you know, and he made 15 million. You don't care. The ticket was $7 when you paid for it at the, yeah, and, I, and in some ways you don't care. I wonder if we if we didn't know if we would care with athletes. I mean, because sometimes there's built-in resentment with that too, right? Especially when somebody's not performing well. As you, you'll often hear, well, they make this. How often do you hear, well, they're overpaid? You know what I mean? As if that's part of their value, right? And we, we start to make moral judgments. Anyway, I don't know how we ended up here, Carlos. Uh, I think you're on your, if everybody, I don't want to spill the beans too much, but Sean's been a little under the weather. So these are probably the, the medications kicking in that are making them a little bit, uh, a little, a little off, off center today. It, it, it could be, it could be, but listen, uh, <laughs> it's good though. I like it. Let's, uh, let's get back to the Lions for a second. And, and, um, and the fact that Ben Johnson stayed and I want to know how you got that so wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, we, we did that last week. Sorry. Um, we come back to it. Well, let's, uh, I assume you watch the playoffs. Um, obviously football fans around here watch the, the playoffs to some degree every year. But I've had the sense, even from my uh, diminished state, that the last couple of weekends have been watched with a little bit of a keener, a little bit more keener eye from Lions fans who very legitimately are are watching and wondering, okay, how do we stack up with these teams, and and what would we need to do to be able to compete with the very best of them? And uh, you know, did, did, what's your what's your thought? Because we're down to the 
four best teams, I guess. And I don't think that's really an argument. You know, some years somebody gets in that's upset somebody, but not this year. Buffalo, maybe you could make an argument for, but I don't know. Cincinnati's been balling. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting game and definitely the snow complicated matters. Um, it was, it was actually surprising by how much the bills lost um, in that game. I think I would have picked the bills to win that game, but um, yeah, I think, I mean, like, you know, if, if the Lions had gotten into the playoffs, right, they would have gone to San Francisco um, to play. I don't, and the, the Seahawks were, you know, they were blown out in that game. The Seahawks made it. So the Lions is the last wildcard team. I don't think the Lions would have beaten the 49ers. Um, even even before what happened to the Seattle, even what, before what happened to, to Dallas uh, last weekend, and they lost to, at San Francisco. I think San Francisco is a more complete team. It's it's interesting that they're doing it with Brock Purdy, right? Um, a rookie quarterback, and um, but they have a very complete team. They have an amazing defense. Um, you know, if they had Trey Lance healthy, um, Jimmy G, uh, you know, like not great, um, but not terrible. He's he he can play well. Um, it's probably a little underrated. People love to hate on him. I don't think he's great, but you know, he's a pretty steady hand, but Brock Purdy is getting it done. But they have a, I think the thing that the lions, when I, when I think the NFC, at least, you know, in the playoffs for the lions, the thing that they, you know, they're they're you know, the defense, the defense made strides toward the end of the season, the second half of the season, but they're not, they're nowhere close to an elite defense. Um, and they don't have they don't they don't have an elite offensive weapon right now. Uh, I know you love Amon Ross St. Brown, and he's great. He is a very good player, but he's not an elite. He's not George Kittle. He's not Christian McCaffrey level right now. That can change. And maybe if Jameson Williams is healthy and gets better next year, that that's what the hope is that he's going to be their Jamar Chase or something like that. The Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase kind of thing, and that's what I see from the from the Bengals as well. You know, you need that elite weapon. Um, and but the Lions, I mean, I think they would have given the 49ers a better game, uh, definitely more than the than the Seahawks. And that's why, like you said, fans are watching it differently because they feel like, ah, oh, we should have been in, and they really yeah. should have gotten in. They should have, they deserve to get in, and and maybe if something, you know, things go well, um, you know. Michael Badgley is our field goal kicker. The Cowboys have had problems with their kicker. Uh, that wasn't really the reason they lost this game, but um, but they don't have an they have an elite punter. They don't have a, a great kicker. Um, and you know when you have a great defense that you're facing, you're not going to get into the red zone as easily, and you're going to be making long field goals. And those those are going to be the differences probably in the in close games in the playoffs. So. What do you think? You think the well, you think Lions would be headed to the Super Bowl right now, probably, right? No, it's interesting because it's just, yeah, you can just you can just sense the the difference in and um these this year's playoffs from the Lions fans' perspective and uh thinking about how they how they would stack up. This this is the way I look at it. I, I think they could have competed with uh anybody that was in the playoff and either in either conference i think they could have beaten um all but the four teams that are left right right 
Yeah. So that to me is the the level that they that's to me was the kind of level of football they were playing at the end of the year. And uh and we saw that because they went into a the Green Bay and basically beat a wild card team. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, on the road and um or or yeah, right? I mean they they beat the Giants. They they beat, beat they beat the Vikings, et cetera, et cetera. We you know, we we have some proof of that. Um the question for me is <clears throat> so where do you go now? So assuming that they don't fall off, and that's a big assumption. <laughs> as you and I have talked about that, I mean, you hate to assume that as a writer uh, because we see every year that teams fall back. But let's just say for the sake of argument that they don't, that they're at least as good as what we saw at the end of the year, the last month of the season, that they're that team next year. So what do they have to do to then become good enough to beat San Francisco? Philly, actually, they showed they could compete with Philly, right? So, sure, but but to beat them, and uh, the Kansas City, Cincinnati, what 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 do they have to do? And the, because those four teams are three of them are sort of similar. Well, actually, two of them are similar, and then the other two are similar. And that's what I wanted to get get your opinion on. You know, look, Jalen Hurts has turned into a really really good quarterback, and he might well just be getting started. But let's face it, that Eagles roster, like Philly, I mean, excuse me, like San Francisco, is really good yeah. in all sorts of places, kind of like the 49ers. Uh, you know, Purdy's not an elite league quarterback, but he's obviously shown an ability to make plays. And, um, and you know, Hertz is a, a playmaker and uh, just keeps getting better and better. On the, other, on the other hand, you got the best two quarterbacks, arguably, in the league. And so they're going to be competitive for that reason. A lot like the Packers have been all these years because of Aaron Rodgers. What what what, what do you think? Are you um, are you of the mind that they can become a you know I don't know that golf can be Hertz if Hertz is just getting started, but uh, can they become San Francisco? I mean that's kind of what we're talking about. If they're going to keep golf. That's what we're talking about, right? Um, off. Defensively, they can. Defensively, they can't. Um, I'll tell you, I don't want to get into the stats too much, but uh, you got Philly and San Francisco uh, in the NFC title game. San Francisco had the number one defense this year in the league. Philly had the number two defense in the league. And the AFC, you've got Kansas City and you've got uh, Cincinnati. Kansas City, 11th ranked defense in the league and Cincinnati 16th. Um, so you have pretty good defenses, um, but in the NFC specifically, you have really good defense, like elite defenses. And that's, mm. that's and, where the lions need to make a leap. They need, I mean, they drafted almost entirely defenses last draft and they need to do it again. Um, all three levels, especially the back seven, they really got to, they got to make, you know, no, the one thing with the Lions, and I don't want to get into eh, all the details, whatever, but Tracy Walker was a big loss. I don't think people thought about that enough, you know, that his, his, uh, the safety for the Lions, really good player, smart player, lost him early in the season. Um, he, that was big for them. Um, they really struggled with takeaways in the deep uh, on defense. Um, you know, the secondary, the cornerbacks need an upgrade. Um, they, they need to, they need to improve that. And I, offensively, I think, especially because Ben Johnson uh, is coming back, just like I said, he always would. Um, so he's, 
He's uh, he, that that is where you're. I'm not worried at all. I mean, it, you know, in freak injuries, yeah, golf goes down, St. Brown goes down, something like that. You know, uh, Penesul goes down. Yeah, then that changes a lot of things. But just assuming that they have, you know, pretty average health, a few injuries here and there, but nothing catastrophic on offense. Yeah, that that Ben Johnson right now, I'm sure, is coming up with God knows what in his basement and drawing all these plays up and everything and going to make sure that he definitely gets a job next season, uh, next offseason. Um, so, but the defense is the question is, can that's the big question. Can they, that that was the big difference was this leap that they took or the, you know, eight and two in the last 10 games, it was the defense playing better. Can that continue? Is that a mirage? That's the big question. Yeah, it it is a big question. By the way, the Cowboys are really I don't know where they ranked. You have the rankings there, but um Cowboys uh they were 12th. 12th. Yeah. Cuz they seem like they were better defensively than that, but um at times maybe. Maybe it's just cuz they have a couple of standout players, but uh Cuz no, you that's to a, see the Cowboys on the road, you you just thought a lot more of them. That's a good uh well, Micah Parsons too, right? It's just when you have a dominant player. Um that's a good question, Carlos, and uh, I want to get to it, but uh, we need to take a quick break. I think I've lost all sense of time here. In fact, I was, I was, it's funny. I I thought we, we were going to take a break. Well, no, our, 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 our producer's fussing at us, but also right before he sent that note, I was looking at the, at the stopwatch time here thinking, oh my goodness, we've been rambling on. And uh, I was really leaning on you this week, man, for the energy, for the sense of time, for, uh, you know, the wisdom. <laughs> No, that's that's asking way too much. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, pay some bills, and we'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, Carlos, I, I'm sorry, man. I, I am a little low key today, and uh, I was really hoping that you would, you know, scream at me a little bit more. Pick it up. Pick up the juice. Get the energy yeah. flow. Get the energy flowing. I told you it's okay to take a sick day once in a while if you're not feeling well. I've had a few used. I've had a few of them. At some point, you got. It's okay. You can take more if you're not feeling well. You know, at some point, you got to come back, right? Yeah, you do at some point, but it's like a week is is okay. You miss a little time if you're not if you're not feeling well. Take the time. Yeah, yeah. In any now case, you put it all on me. It's all on my shoulders now to carry the podcast I'm, once again. I'm, I'm sorry that I. Yeah, just for once, I was hoping you could do that. <laughs> no, I'm just, no. I'm, I'm just uh, having some fun. So you were asking me about <clears throat> the 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 Lions. Look, they're kind of locked in, right? I mean, they're not locked in. They could obviously take a swing with a quarterback with their first pick in the draft and hope that, uh, or make no a chance. trade, or or no they chance. Can, no, no, what I'm saying is they're not locked in. They can do what they want. I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, they kind of made that clear and I don't think they should do it. Not that that matters, but I don't think they will do it. And um, I don't think anybody thinks they're going to do it. All I'm saying is they're not locked in. If they don't want to be, they could trade up package picks together and go get, go get Bryce young. If they think he's going to be at the level um, or close to the level of what we're seeing in the playoffs right now. But I, I, I think they are, more or less on their path, right? They're going to try to build this defense out and assume that um, that Goff, although he may not be Mahomes or Burrow or even Josh Allen or even Jalen Hurts, that he's you know not that far behind. 
right? I thought you were going to say, and even Brock Purdy, but go ahead, yeah. I guess you could say, yeah, right? I mean, the way he played, especially the way he played the second half of the season, and to your point about the defense getting better, which is, yeah, I'm surprised you said that because it nicks your your boy Ben Johnson a little bit. But um, in any case, the man responsible for the, everything at the Lions organization has nothing to do with Dan Campbell. In, in any case, uh, I can't believe I even said that. I didn't want to dignify that silly comment from the last time I read you. No, no, no. There's nothing. What? You wrote a good column about, uh, listen to me with all the non sequiturs, about Antoine Davis. Yeah. The yeah. Mercy Garden. Yeah. 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 Taking up shots. Thank putting you. The, Thank make, you. Grinding, making the, putting the work in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm surprised you weren't negative because he didn't work hard enough or something. In that'll any be case, the next column. Yes. The column. That'll be the next column. Um, I, look, I, I think the San Francisco model is is what they're doing. You know, I, I, they're not going to find Bosa, but and they've got two of the best linebackers in the league and that sort of thing. But uh, they can they they can maybe get there in that way, right? I mean, they're already. I mean, offensively, they're. I you know I think they can be even better if Jamison Williams comes around, right? Now the oh, trick the trick is they're going to have to maintain that offensive line play a little bit. Um, because that's sure. that's the idea when you, you know, not to diminish golf, but right when you don't have Patrick Mahomes. I mean, let's let's face it; that's part of the reason they were so good. They have a great line, and that's going to be tricky how they use resources to to try to help maintain that. But uh, but I'm with you, man. I, I some improvement on defense. The young guys get better. Getting Tracy Walker back, going all in on the draft on defense. Maybe Jamin, Jamison Williams uh, starts to really develop. Because that's that's the other common thing. Every one of these teams has a playmaker. Yeah. Like an elite, outside an outside one. an outside playmaker. And really good running backs too. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, you need the guys do. who can and that was the thing the Lions did have. They had they had, you know, with, with Jamal Williams, who they're probably gonna lose in free agency. Uh they had a closer. They had a guy who'd get those tough yards up the middle and close out help close out games. Um that's a question mark for them. Um, but yeah, the offensive line, I mean, they're there's they're they're committed to it. I mean, Brad Holmes is committed to both, as we both know, you know, the offense and defensive lines. It's an emphasis. He wants to build in the trenches, you know, all that stuff. The question with Holmes is, um, you know, by the way, this whole offensive line, uh, he had very little to do with putting it together. It was already there except for Penny Sewell. But the question is, do they want to spend on interior offensive linemen? Are they going to spend to keep those guys? Because there's some people like Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn did not believe in paying interior offensive linemen. They, they might have to draft contracts. one, right? They might need to draft one. They might need they they should draft one. They should draft they need to write draft a right guard, is what they really need. But the question is when it comes time to pay um Jonah Jackson, left guard, are they going to do that? Or are they going to try to keep him? Frank Ragnow, they love Ragnow. My my suspicion is they'll do whatever they can to keep Ragnow. The guards, I'm not quite sure, um, but where, how far are they going to go? How high are they going to go to draft a guard? And it better not be in the first round. Um, I don't think it's worth it. I think you can find guards second, third round tour. You know, if you're a good GM, you should be able to identify those people and get good deals on them and spend your money on on playmakers. Yeah, because that that's that's the common the denominator is the play or the playmakers, right? I mean, other than look, there's one Mahomes, 
there's one Burrow. I mean, you, you, we really Mahomes the best quarterback in the game. You can make an argument Bur- Burrow is number two, right? I mean, already, and Trevor Lawrence might be coming, right? Uh, you know, yeah. Josh Allen's, but it's, but still, you're talking about four or five dudes out of 32 teams or whatever. It's just it's hard to get those guys. So how else can you be relevant? San Francisco has been relevant on and off for a while now. Without they an have, elite quarterback, yeah. yeah, right. So it can't it can be done. Well, this is is this is this a uh, you know uh, uh, what would you call it? Um, you know, the game between uh, between the Eagles and the 49ers this weekend. Um, is this the thing that tells us the test case of do you need Jalen Hurst? You need an elite, you know, dynamic court, uh, quarterback, or can you get away with uh, a dude who's nobody expected anything out of? I don't even know where, where was Brock Purdy drafted. I mean, he was the last player, last player picked in the draft. He was Mr. Mr. Relevant. Okay, yeah, yeah, so. That's that's uh, by the way, that's going to be an interesting situation for the 49ers. What happens with him? But uh, but yeah, do you need can you get away with if you have a very complete team and an okay quarterback, which isn't quite where the Lions are because Goff is better than just an okay quarterback? He is, though, by the way he played, yeah. But for the first year and a half, this first you know, last season and then this this season, a little bit, people were not convinced about him, they would have thrown him on that same heap with Brock Purdy of like, he's just a bridge quarterback and this and that. I, I do believe, I, I don't know that he's the long-term answer for the Lions. I don't know if they're going to give him a contract extension unless he plays lights out this next year. Um, I would let him finish his last two years with the Lions um, and see what happens. But I don't know if I'd commit to him. Now that's also dependent on, do you believe you can get a better guy in the draft? Are you really convinced that, you found his replacement and an elite level guy, the next, the future of the franchise for the next, you know, whatever, 10 years. If you're not, I don't know, maybe you stick with golf, you know, but um, you know, the the one thing I would say about golf and the Lions and the way they're constructed versus the four teams we're about to see in the AFC and NFC championship games is all four of those quarterbacks. Well, Mahomes is hurt a little bit, but all, when he's healthy, all four of those quarterbacks have mobility. I mean, Hurts is probably the best, but Burrow moves really, really well. He can get out, right? And um, yeah, he has some mobility. No, yeah, he, he they all have more mobility than 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 golf, which means that offensive line. To your point, they're, they're going to have to figure out how to maintain maintain that level, especially if you can think about Jamison Williams becoming more part of the equation next year. They're going to need a little bit of he. You got to have at least a little bit of time to drop back and let him get down the field as fast as he is. That still, you know, the play action might help with that. It delay it a little bit, the the rush, but and they love play action. Golf does in particular, but you're gonna have to have some protection to get that guy the ball. Um, whereas Burrow got to the Super Bowl last year behind one of the, with the worst offensive line in the NFL, right, with the Bengals, and um, because he's got a he can escape and he can he's mobile. I mean, he's not he's not hurts or or. Uh, or well, Mahomes doesn't sprint either. Mahomes has great elusiveness too. So that that's another interesting dynamic. But you're talking about the test case, man. Philadelphia is probably about as good up and down the roster as San Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. they're 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 really good. And yet, we talk about these teams like there's a huge golf, and I don't know that there is. I mean, I know it was just the first game of the season, but the Lions um, tore up that defense. And they couldn't get a stop. Most teams haven't been able to stop Hurts in, in that offense. But 
But the other common thing, man, I'm curious what you think. The other common denominator, the playmakers. All four teams have have them. Um, the Chiefs might have the fewest number of them. Yeah. And in the past, that's not been true. I mean, they lost the most electric play playmaker in the league, Tyree Kill. But but uh, Travis Kelsey is is a move to change kind of playmaker. He to me, that's what the Lions have in, in St. Brown. They have a move to change playmaker. That's not uh, maybe not Kelsey, but but awfully good. He's just not a down the field, you know, threat. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's more of a I mean he can play on the outside a little bit, but he's more comfortable on the inside. And <clears throat> you know, he's a vital piece for them, but they need that outside threat. And that's what they that's what they had hoped DJ Chark would be, you know, especially because they knew that well, they didn't know, I guess, when they signed Chark that they were gonna drop Williams, but they probably had an idea they were gonna get draft or find another outside receiver. Probably they thought they were gonna draft an outside receiver in some fashion. Uh, but Chark just didn't really live up to what he needed to do. Um, came on late. Came on late, um, but just wasn't worth that $10 million. I mean, I was talking about contracts and money, right? That's the big thing. <laughs> he was paid so much money. Yeah, and then he got hurt, production. right? He got hurt and it was out. And then, yeah, he struggled um, at first and got hurt and came back. Yeah, it was just, you just yeah. it's, a, it's a gamble for sure. Yeah. So they need, they, they, they can probably use another piece, you know, another outside receiver. And that'll help Brown even more. They may think go trade back and get TJ Hawkinson back as a tight end um, for them, but they need a better tight end probably. Um, so there, there's lots of pieces that they need, but, but the offense I'm not worried about. I mean, because, you know, that I, I don't know what the pro football focus stats would be, but the Lions offensive line gave Jerry Goff an eternity, it seemed like, to throw back there. Um, you know, and he has he has decent pocket awareness. I would say Stafford had better probably mo- moving within the pocket, feeling the pressure. The cop is okay at it. Um, and Stafford could scramble a little bit too. You he know? could scramble a little bit, uh, but just had really good pocket awareness. You know, he just sensed the rush better and whatever. Um, but that's okay. I mean, that they know who Goff is. They know what he can do, and they work with that. But it's the defense. It's the defense that really just still even though it looked better, um, it still has a ways to go to, I mean, it was the worst defense in the league this year and it wasn't much better last year even. So they, they've got to really do something to change that. And, you know, I don't know if it's just the players or maybe it's Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, who knows? Um, It's kind of funny how he's getting all these, you know, interviews for head coach, but he might be fired before the end of next season, if this keeps up, you know, if they start off bad again, I don't know how you hold on to him, you know, how do you justify keeping him around? Um, but, uh, but we'll see, but the defense just, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing them go high sign. Up. I think that they, nobody's saying this, the Lions, cause I think someone asked, are they, you know, Brad Holmes, season any press conference are you a player away well no team's ever gonna say they're a player away but there are they one two three players you know a key free agent signing a couple of draft picks got kind of thing and home said no i don't think we're a player away from you know whatever when the super bowl but but they they need some help they need some they need to spend some money on defense somewhere and go get whatever it is a lockdown corner or you know a great edge rusher to compliment Hutchinson or a defensive tackle or an elite linebacker or whatever it is. They need to go find 
at least one elite player on defense. Because even in the draft, I mean, you hope in the draft, but you, you can't expect, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson had a great year, but you're not always going to get that, you know? Um, so go find a, a sure thing. Um, but they got to do, they got to give that defense as much help as they can. No, they do. I'm with you. I mean, even if they could get to a middle of the pack defense, you mentioned um, kind of yeah. where Cincinnati and Kansas City are, right? Right. Now they have obviously elite, elite quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And the Packers made their runs with, you know, their defenses were probably middle of the pack. You know, maybe some years they were, uh, the the year they won the Super Bowl, I, I don't know where they ranked. They were probably uh, top 10 defense. But, um, that's so that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Would the Lions be good enough to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender with a middle of the pack defense and the offense that they have, more or less, with the idea that Williams is going to become, you know, an well, elite, elite downfield threat? But they got a, the, the other sneaky little thing is the run game. If you don't hold on to Jamal Williams, um, and even with Williams, I mean, uh, you know, I love Jamal, but, you know, 17 touchdowns, is that going to happen again? Um, a lot of questions about DeAndre Swift. Uh, he's not the player that. Yeah, they, you might need to draft a running back. They might probably got to draft a running back. back. Yeah. You got to find, you got to find a guy. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely, I, I think Williams is going to be pretty good. Like, Maybe a thousand yard receiver. Maybe I mean uh, this next season. Eventually, I think he's going to be easily a probably a fifteen hundred yard receiver. But um, but I think he'll be pretty good uh, if he stays healthy. Uh, so I don't think they're really concerned like about that part of the the offense and with St. Brown. Um, but the, yeah, there's 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 no question with offense that they've got the pieces just running back. And that helps everything, right? The play action and all that other stuff. Well, so. well, you wonder, yeah, you wonder if Williams could be like Hill in a sense of the way the salary can, because he's, I don't know if Williams is big enough. Maybe he is to go get balls, contest, make contested catches, sideline catches, traffic catches the way, say, Jamar Chase does, right? Right. You know, is he, is he, or Debo Samuel even, is he, is he that kind of? Guy, I think he is. I think he's he's. He, or is I mean, he more like Tyreek Hill, where you get him on a slant, or you you know, you get him downfield because he's ten yards behind the defender. You know, I mean, speed is definitely the, his calling card, but uh, I think he's got some. I you know, I saw him, I saw him high point some balls. I saw him fight for some balls. You know, on the down the sidelines, and he seems like he has a lot of competitiveness in him. He does, no ball. question. No I think question. you have to these days. You can't just be a, you know, finesse kind of guy or whatever. No, he's he's one. He played special teams at Alabama, right? So they wanted him to play on uh, gunner on punt coverage. <laughs> it's yeah. like I, I just, I'm sorry. And even I think, I think Holmes or someone even took a swipe at that in the press conference. Like, bro, you can find a lot of people to play gunner. I know he's really fast. You want to lose. The dude you traded up to draft, you want to lose him to a, you know, whatever a cheap shot, a, a block in the back, whatever on a. By, by a the coverage. by the way, by the way, now I know this has been discussed before, but does it still astound you that Joe Burrow and Jamison Williams were both at Ohio State at no. the same time? No. 
Why would and didn't and you? didn't and didn't play. <laughs> you know, it's just oh, they didn't play. Yeah, no, right? They didn't play. Yeah. Not much. Yeah. yeah, no, it happens. Kurt Warner. You know, I mean, people don't always know what they have. Tom Brady getting no, they, in the second half. I know they don't, do they? No, I mean it's colleges. Like nobody knows anything in the NFL in football, but least of all in college, because in college, just you know, the biggest, fastest athlete is going to be on the field. You know, and if you're a little, I'm sure Jamo was pretty. He's skinny now. He probably he probably weighed buck fifty in college. So you know, ah, is he gonna is he gonna hold up? Whatever. Yeah, no, it's just it's just funny to think of that that roster at one point with. All those guys. Of course, then Burrow transfers to LSU and ends up on the same field with Lamar Chase and uh, and Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Those were his two wideouts. Yeah. Yeah, oh. crazy. I know. Well, he's, his wideouts aren't too bad right now, are they, with uh, Chase and, and Higgins? Yeah. Yeah, they've got a great, de- a great offense and really good head coach who knows how to use them. They really do. So uh, I guess the point is, Carlos, to, to your point, that yeah, they they've got there is a path with Jared Goff, uh, as long as they focus on defense, and then they have to you know do some maintenance on offense. Maybe consider drafting an interior lineman, another running back, and uh, but other than that, use everybody else for defense, right? Yeah, maybe some offensive guys play both ways. They go a little defense too, like in high school or something. No, but you know what? The the one thing, the the point I didn't make about the the one player away when they asked Brad Holmes that was just that I think they know that potentially, like, they got a second chance here with Ben Johnson staying. The window is maybe the window is never as big as you think it is in the NFL, and this is their window right now. No, it's this is not. their window to win the division. You know, the Packers are down, the Vikings are frauds, the Bears are awful. This is your chance. If you have a chance to win the division, this is going to be one of your best chances in a really long time. It may not come around again. So if you can stay healthy, so go go open the checkbook, go ask Sheila for a little extra, you know, an advance on the allowance and go get some defensive studs to help that that because we saw what happened with Sue, right? When you had Sue and Fairley and Cliff Averill and Tulloch and Vandenbosch and all those guys, you know, I mean that that was that's what made the difference. When you had Calvin and and Stafford and Reggie Bush and you know those guys and and of course Brandon Pettigrew, who you want to throw to in a playoff game when Calvin is wide open in the middle of the field. But it's funny um, that that is those players may have been individually better, especially Calvin Johnson, but that offense wasn't as good as this one in large part because the offensive line Stafford didn't quite, you know, even that year he, he uh, was under pressure a fair amount. It's interesting. Ben Johnson is way better than Scott Linehan was. Well, no, the the coordinator, just the, the overall talent level. I mean, I know Johnson was the, the best player between those, you know, that year's and this year's offense. But this offense is better. It's it's crazy to say that. Because of the coordinator, yeah. The way he's putting them in the right position. Well, and because of the has. line. And because of that line, just the the time. I mean, you know, God. I'm gonna text Dominic Royola and telling him tell him that you thought that he sucked at this team. Frank Ragnall's. It's funny, I saw a headline. I saw a headline recently, maybe, maybe um the day uh, I, I don't know. I, and I want to say it was in the free press, but that they, they wanna that that's the one of the main long term focuses they have. Or at least you know, intermediate term, is maintaining the play of that offensive line because the whole offense is built around it, mm. right? Yeah. So they don't have. Saber can't wrote it. Yeah. It's yeah. not Jalen Hurts back there, right? So, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting maintaining that and yet getting better at defense, right? That's really the key. Are those, yeah, are, the, that, those are the keys. I, I I'm okay with I mean, you know, maintaining the offensive line is great, but you gotta manage your resources, you know, and you gotta find guys. I think that you spend money on your tackles, you know, and they love Frank Rag now, so I'm sure they'll I don't I don't have a big problem with spending money on a on a center. But uh, you should you should be able to do it in a way that you don't have to draft, you know, guards in the first round and you know top ten, top fifteen picks. Um, you know, so it's 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 good to have that philosophy, but you just can't overspend on that because you know the offensive line. I mean, it's just it 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 functions in a way that lets other things happen. You know. Um, so well, maybe this is where the Hawkinson pick will help, you know, because they, they go defense with the first two picks in the first round. They're two first round picks, rather, and then the second round, maybe, maybe that's where they go get a, try to go get a running back. Well, and, yeah, that's uh, a good. So here's a good question, right? And then, and then that third round pick is better now. So maybe that's where you can get your guard and you go back to defense. I don't know. Here's the question: Is when Ben Johnson comes back, do they promise him we're going to get you in first? You, one of the first round picks will be offense. And you have a, you'll have a big say in who we pick. Who do you want? You know, um, ah, that that would be a fair amount of lack of self awareness on his part to try to mess with. He can see how good that scout room is and um, and what Holmes is doing. I that would surprise me, but who knows? They lobby. No, no, no. These guys lobby for their. Well, no, they they, all they, the time. they do, but to 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 make that some kind of a deal to. No, I'm not saying you, you're saying it's going to happen. It has to happen, or I'm not coming back. But but you know, I'm sure maybe that was part of the thing of just Holmes and and Campbell are telling them, "Hey, man, we're, we're going to get you some more." I know we never know what their concerns are, and if they're if he's saying, "Man, we're going to lose Jamal," we're not going to, you know, what's going to happen with him? I'm sure that they've talked to him about, "Hey, this is our plan. We're only going to spend so much. We're probably not going to be able to keep Jamal, but we'll get you running back help, and it'll be an early pick. You're we're not going to just you're coming back and sorry, we're going all twelve picks or whatever <laughs> defense. You know, good luck. So. That's probably one of the things that I'm sure is, I mean, you know how it is. You you keep your talented employees and you want to incentivize them to stick around and, and keep doing a good job. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, well, for sure. Absolutely. But I would also imagine he has some faith in the front office and oh, sure. in, that, in that way. But uh, no, it'll be interesting. We should, um, we'll, we'll get Dave back in here maybe at the, after the season and, and he can, uh, we can have more of this kind of conversation once we see what what to your point about the test the test game between Philly and San Francisco <laughs> and then the Super Bowl a referendum it's a referendum and, and then on the Super Bowl is going to be quarterbacks yeah and then the Super Bowl is going to be a, a a great you know uh, elite quarterback against potentially maybe a great wa- roster we'll see we'll see how it all shakes out but uh, look man well let's let's take one more break and um and then come back with your favorite thing and uh you know Pay a couple of bills here for the Free Press Sports show with Carlson, Sean. Perfect. Is that, is that all right? Let's all right. do it. All right. We'll talk to you in a minute. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson, Sean. Carlos, it's uh, it's that time of the show, man. What is your what is your favorite thing? Um, I'm going to have two favorite things, Sean, if I can. I'm probably going to. It's your show. It's my show. <laughs> Uh, uh, my favorite thing is kind of bittersweet. It was last week at the free press when we said goodbye to our seven colleagues 
who took buyouts uh, to spare any layoffs at the free press. I'm sure people have heard about that. Gannett had uh, company-wide layoffs, uh, mandated layoffs, but pe- people like Peter Batya and Brian Dickerson or Pinion Combs, you know, have pretty big salaries and they were able to spare um, layoffs of younger staff members. And I talked to a lot of younger staff members, not a lot, but a couple of staff, younger staff members, and they were really worried. You know, young people are at the bottom of the totem pole. They can use, they know that they're the first ones on the chopping block. So it was a really gracious, uh, you know, act on their part. Um, but it was also good to see people. And and it's kind of, um, it's, it's a sad occasion. And there was a lot of crying. Uh, it went on for a long time. <laughs> It was like a two-hour farewell. Every a lot of people talk. Journalists like to talk. I hear um, probably more than they even like to write. And uh, but it was a lot of nice, heartfelt testimonials. It was good to see the newsroom fill. I haven't been the newsroom in maybe more than a year, but it was good to see so many people there getting together for a a, a really good reason. Um, it was encouraging, and and. Um, Hopefully, we don't have to go through that anytime soon again. But I think um, it was nice to hear what people had to say, not only the people, you know, uh, honoring the the ones who are leaving us, but also the people who are leaving had really nice things to say about the work we're doing and to encourage us to keep doing that work. Um, and my second favorite thing was uh, uh, that I got to go to, uh, I got to take my uh, my kid back to school in Ann Arbor and my favorite thing to do in Ann Arbor is to go to Pinball Pete's and go play classic arcade games. So I got to play the Tron game and I got to like the fourth level this time, Sean, and I haven't done that since I was probably 12. Um, so uh, Donkey Kong beat me. Mill- Centipede was awful. The, the, they need to fix the screen on that game. Um, but uh, it was fun to go there, play some pinball, some some classic video games. It's one of my one of my favorite things. And uh with my kid and my wife and we're just uh spent about an hour in there playing and you actually use quarters they don't even do tokens like real quarters so if you get a chance pinball pete's uh in ann arbor is uh is a hot spot and it was hopping on saturday it was like a, it was like a rave so it was a lot of fun did you do the dancing or you um have to hit the squares as they light up they don't, i don't think they have that i think that's too well, used to. i don't i that may be in a part they have that's like they have pool tables and they have a lot of things. They, I don't know if they have that. There's no way. No, I would never try that. I'm I'm awful at. I'm it's not a big. It's not a big area. I mean, it's not like a big dance floor, but it was just a small area. And I used to see when my kids were little, we used to go there all the time. The three of us, me and the two my, my two sons, and um, it's funny. My wife would often work on Friday nights back in those days, and we would go up. up up on campus and we would go to this little Chinese place on South U uh, for those, uh, you know, who know Ann Arbor and it, the food's fine. It's whatever. They were just happy to get egg rolls, but uh, you know, they were young and, but the best part is then we'd walk, walk down the street to go into pinball Pete's. And, uh, and I just, I would play a little game? bit. What's your game? Uh, I liked Pac-Man, but when I, I, I liked um, um, Gallagher, is it Gallagher? Galaga. Galaga. Galaga, is yeah. that it? Yeah. Galaga. I love that. was probably my, my favorite when I was young, but my the best part for me was just watching them play. Yeah. Games that I <laughs> that I was that were around when I was young. And they loved it. And they, yeah. you know, the pinball was fine, but they they loved the games. 
and um, they I don't know if they used to have arcade games in there where you'd sit in and drive your car, the racing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I love those, too. They they love those. But, uh, yeah, it's a fun place. Next There's time one. I go there, I'm going to look for your high score on that dance game and try to beat no, it. No, I never did that. I just enjoyed watching the, <laughs> the students because it's mostly full of U of M students. Michigan yeah, students. it's all kids. It's all college and, kids. Uh, and I just watched that. I enjoyed watching them kind of do the, the dancing games. But, no, uh, well, that's my favorite thing, man, that you, that you no, got, to, no, uh, that you got no. to go do that. <laughs> that's totally... I could have said I shoveled coal this weekend. Like, oh, that's my favorite thing. You got no, some exercise. Come I'm on. Just, I, I'm, that's my Don't new favorite out. thing because I didn't know that you had that in you to have that kind of mirth and enjoyment at Pinball Pete's. And uh, that's awesome, man. But what's funny about it is that's really you know, great. With all the video games now, like online, the Switch and PlayStation, all this, they've reissued those games. So there's a lot of classic games, but there's just something different about the cabinet and the joystick the old school joystick and all that um and uh tron does not exist as far as i know on any on any uh oh that's cool modern video games, no so. my favorite my favorite thing is your favorite thing it's the same i i i walked out of the newsroom last week after that gathering and by the way it was three hours not two <laughs> and but it was it, it was just, like four <laughs> it, it didn't feel longer to me at all i just i just seeing all those people in the newsroom Seeing all the young people that we we've hired in the last uh, few, couple of years, seeing the the reflection in the in, in in the newsroom in the community in a different way, which we really try to make a point of. The yeah. last couple of years, we still have a ways to go, obviously, but um, that I really enjoyed. But mostly, I just uh, I, I love listening to the stories. I love listening to finding out that our former executive editor was running in the middle of the night to get prescriptions for for people. You know, or or babysitting or whatever, and just, or just rubbing Mike Elric's feet. Yeah, but Michigan yeah, State no, just, just just a, <laughs> yeah, right, because they were so cold. Just the little, the little things um, from everybody. You know, everybody got up and spoke, and people got up and spoke about them, and just shared stories about what they'd meant to our newsroom, what they meant to the free press, how they're going to take part of the free press with them, and just just having that energy in there. It's um, it was really something, and that was by far. I hadn't felt like that in a long, long time in this business. I know it was just one night, but man, it was nice to feel that again. It had been it had been a long time. All those people, all that energy. It's why a lot, a lot we got. I, maybe you didn't get in the business for that, but I did because I lo- I love the newsroom. I love the 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 chaotic uh, energy a little bit, the deadline pressure, you know, trying to figure out stories and and all that, and having people from all different backgrounds come and and work under uh, pressure to get the paper out and you could feel that a little bit last week. And that was, that was really something. I got into the business for the, for the high pay and the, uh, the easy hours. That's what I got into. Well, if you were, if some people know they want to be in sports and so they, the newsroom really isn't a thing for them, but, um, but, uh, so that's why I was curious if you, if you wanted to be a news person, then switch to sports or if you want to be a sports writer. Oh, I was always going to be a sports guy, but the one thing, the one thing that, uh, did, surprise me and i hear this every once in a while um you know and i don't know if you're as aware of this but you know when i when we get to staff things and here and there like some of the younger journalists will say oh man it's it's good to finally meet you like i've seen your writing and you know whatever and 
this and that, but I've never met you. And you don't think of that because when we've both been at the paper for more than 20 years and, and you don't, you, you think of young people as they come and go, you know, they're there, they're a little bit, maybe you meet them, maybe you don't, whatever, but they kind of look at us a little bit more as like, you guys have been here a long time and I've seen your byline before. And it's like, oh, so it's finally good to meet. And I feel guilty about that a lot when I feel like, man, I should make more of an effort to be at more functions. And as a younger person, when you're younger, you have more time to hang out and do all that stuff. We're old married people with other responsibilities and kids and this and that. So it's a little harder, but um, I've, I've tried to make an effort. So these things always remind me that you need to, we need, especially in these disconnected times, we need to make more of an effort to, to get together. No, for sure. No, I've, yeah, I've long been aware of that. It was nice to meet uh, some people. I mean, shoot, we got to meet Andrew Hammond, who helps produce this podcast. In person, I know. Never, How long have we, never met him in person. So, yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, it is a good reminder. In any case, um, it's good to be back with you, man. Sorry, I'm a little bit uh, low key this week. Hopefully, be back to my normal self next week. And uh, rest up. Take a take a take a day off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do you want to do you want to take us out? Tell us uh, who we need to or thank the people we need to thank and tell us where we can get this good stuff. Yeah, we need to thank our our producers, Andrew Hammond and Robin Chan, executive producers Kirkwood Crawford and Anjanette Delgado. Man, Anjanette Delgado right now is the interim editor of the Free Press. And this is the first time we're mentioning her, Sean. This may be our last podcast. It um, could be. It could be. And now Peter Batia now is is uh, technically not our editor now. But let's thank him one more time. Uh, editor Emeritus. Yeah. <laughs> let's give him some, some fancy title. Peter Batia, one last time. And uh, if you like this podcast, Sean, uh, you may not know this, but you can... You can find it where you find all podcasts on uh, MySpace and uh, uh, I don't know where else on your on your Microsoft Zoom, maybe Spotify, Apple. Uh, give us a ranking. Let us know what you think. Subscribe. And we should also thank the readers. Or I'm sorry, the readers. Well, the readers and the listeners for, for sticking with us uh, yet again for another podcast. And when will we when will we talk to our readers or our listeners again, Sean? Uh, next week, right? Yeah, we may have a special guest next week. Okay, well, we, should, sport. we shouldn't say that just in case it doesn't happen. We may but, have. Uh, I said may. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a good tease. It's a good tease, though. Wait, that's that's nice way to tease. All right, man, we should thank uh, the listeners also. We want to thank you all for spending some time with us. And uh, we're grateful that you do. And we will talk to you all next week. Yeah.